0: Episode 11 of Long Hair Do Care. I am your host, Georgie Corkery, pronouns she, her, hers, also happy to go by they, them, theirs. This podcast is all about different topics that fall under the broad yet niche umbrella of queer intersectional ecofeminism. Today is July 4th, so happy Independence Day. And today I have a special guest, Jamaica Trinaman. Yes, good job. <laughs> Hi, Jamaica. My pronouns are she, her, hers. Jamaica is the owner, founder of Hello Bulk. That's what we'll be talking about today. But before we jump into that... Well, I'll tell you how many cats I interacted with this week. Um, <laughs> how many cats did you interact with, George? I interacted with four of them. Two of them, Moira and Dada, I've mentioned before on the podcast. They're kittens with long hair, and they're super cute. I actually cuddled with one last night. And I also saw Pepe, oh! who uh, Jamaica and I both know a human named Kelly, and that human owns a cat named Pepe. And he's fat and cute, and he was wearing a bandana when I saw him. He's very, very soft. Yeah. He was a little, like, patchy, but... Yeah, he's getting matted. Yeah, yeah. Kelly said he's going to take him out, so uh, hopefully by the time this podcast comes out, he's not matted anymore. And then I did see a cat at the farmer's market. It was a brand-new kitten, and it was on a leash, The owner was just like, oh yeah, I'm here to socialize the kitty, and I I saw it. I was with my dad at the downtown Salt Lake City Farmer's Market, Pioneer Park, and I was like, dad, there's a cat! And so we both beelined it, because my dad is also a huge cat fan. Hmm. So that was nice. How many cats did you interact with this week?
1: Only two. So Pepe... And Pepe was really loving to me this week. He oh, usually kind of ignores me. He can be snooty. He's standoffish. But yeah. yet he was very loving this week. And then my cat, who is Atticus Finch. And Atticus, I've only had Atticus about two months. And it's the first cat I've ever, ever owned. Only two months? Yes. Yes. Oh. and he is so loving and then also frightening <laughs> why frightening? he will he will switch it up on a dime he can be a total jerk and yet he just has me wrapped around his finger because 80% of the time he's loving and the other 20 he's he, he's mean to me he hurts me <laughs> a lot I kind of live in fear of Atticus <laughs> it's like this love fear does he place
0: jump place, out he, at you? yes he does. <laughs> he does. I've had one cat do that to me. I was walking with my friend somewhere, and this cat jumped out of the bush and jumped on me and I was like God, oh my god like what is happening
1: it's frightening he thinks it's funny or something it, not often <laughs> he doesn't do it often but the other day I did walk into my bedroom and it was dark in my bedroom and he came out of the dark just like claws up like ah and I screamed <laughs> so loud when he, he grabbed my leg with his claws out oh
0: gosh that I thought my neighbors
1: <laughs> probably think someone was murdered <laughs> but he's really good like 80% of the time
0: huh well I hope to one day meet him I hear that he is the opposite of Pepe, more social, long, skinny, tall, black. He's in it. He is in whatever you're
1: doing. He's so curious. So yeah, he is very different from Pepe.
0: All right. Well, maybe one day I will be able to meet him. But I was also going to talk about the wildlife I saw this week, but I actually didn't really see any. I caught three spiders in my house. And like you, I'm worried that my neighbors thought maybe someone was murdered because I my reaction, you know, thousands of years of evolution, just when I see them, I can't help but scream really loudly, but then I can pick them up and put them outside. So, mm. so that's the only real wildlife besides birds. Um, I saw a lot of good birds this week, just the normal ones, house finches, a lot of, and sparrows. But the amount of Teslas I saw this week, uh, I did a better job counting this week than last (laughs) week. Last week, I was coming home from California, and so I did a bad job, as I said. But this week, I actually counted Sunday right now. And as of right now, I I might, you know, see more today, but 65 and 5 halves Teslas. In just Salt
1: Lake City area?
0: In just Salt Lake City area. Wow. Yeah. When I first started doing this podcast, I saw 37 and 42 or something, and I was like, wow, that's so many. And then a few weeks ago, there was 70-something, and I just, I keep seeing more and more of them. Wow. But uh, in California, when I was there for a whole week, I saw over 200. Hmm. They're everywhere. Californians just have make more money. They just make more money. Conscious content consumption. Um, This week I've been listening to Rough Translation with Gregory Warren. It's a great podcast, it's an NPR podcast, radio show. And it's about cultural mistranslations and how we can learn from them. They focus on things that are abroad and then kind of bring them back home, which I thought was really cool. Some of the episodes that they've done was the loneliness of climate change Christians, um, which was it was kind of oh, funny but to me. But they probably are lonely. Yeah, absolutely. It was, it was so interesting and intriguing. Another episode that I related to because my mom's from the Netherlands and I grew up doing the Dutch Christmas was So Long Black Pete, which was Swarter Pete, is how I knew him, which is Sinterklaas's slash the Dutch Santa Claus sidekick who is not a slave, but like basically a slave and how they're trying to get rid of Black Pete. And then another really good one was how uh, Brazil versus the United States defines race. Because here we define it by ancestry... Family, and then in Brazil, it's how you present, which I thought was really interesting. And they have so many more words. I was gonna ask
1: if their language reflected
0: that. Yeah, yeah, they have different. Names for all the different types of skin colors. I'm no expert on this and I might be saying it wrong, but it was just really interesting to see how they interpreted it because they also acknowledged that there is colorism, like the darker you are, the less privileged you are, and how they incorporate that into giving scholarships to students. It was really interesting. You guys should listen to it. Recently, Rough Translation has been doing the mini series about the civilian-military divide. They call it the civ Mill Divide. The miniseries is called Homefront. And I think that's been really interesting because it talks about military families and how women are affected. And I think about that because my dear friend, Izzy, she's in the military and she has to move a lot. And mm-hmm. that's hard, hard for kids and hard for people trying to start their careers. If you guys are podcast listeners, which I assume you are, Rough Translation is a great one. I have one more conscious content consumption point, and it's, again, Mary Oliver. I brought Mary Oliver up uh, last week. American Poet. She won the National Book Award and Pulitzer Prize. I always say that wrong. I always want to say Pulitzer Prize. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not a surprise. Um, it's just a prize. You can make that um, prize up and give it away every Yeah, time. yeah. <laughs> every once in a while, I will surprise somebody with a Pulitzer Prize surprise <laughs> yeah a pull it yeah someone will pull something and then they'll be surprised and it's their own prize Yay. but she is a queer poet and amazing and one poem that I've just been so in love with this week I keep reading it and crying over it it's called mornings at black water and I just want to read a part of it not the whole thing so I'm starting halfway through this poem sorry if that's totally bad poetry etiquette But (laughs) here we go. What I want to say is that the past is the past, and the present is what your life is, and you are capable of choosing what that will be, darling citizen. Which I love. I love that part. So come to the pond, or the river of your imagination, or the harbor of your longing, and put your lips to the world, and live your life. Oh, I just think it's so... Wonderful. The darling citizen. I just, I love it it's so much. The river of your imagination or the harbor of your longing. Oh, it just. Or like
1: put your lips to the world because it's not like put your back in it or put your yeah. hands to where it is. Put your lips to the world which is really different. Yeah.
0: Drink in mm. life. Live your life. But you're also a Mary Oliver fan. Yes? So,
1: yeah. And the, the one saying, not saying, part of a, a poem that she wrote that always comes to me and you've probably heard of it and I think of it probably every week is that one about a box of darkness. And she talks about a... She said, it's very simple and I will not say it properly but... <laughs> Um, she says that once she received a box of darkness, and it took her a little while to understand that that too was a gift.
0: Oh, yeah. yeah. That I. Um, so Mary Oliver was introduced to me last week for the first time, and my friend Asha and Ty, they're amazing. They got me this book uh, for my birthday after we read it together and cried over mm-hmm. the different poems. So I still need to go through. They gave me a devotions which was her favorite poems so i think that was the last book she put out before she died i might need to fact check it but it's so good i love mary oliver i think like
1: like most people i was introduced to her her through wild wild geese and i was of course like mind blown Mm -hmm. and then looked into her more she's just Beautiful.
0: Yeah, wild geese is what I talked about last week. Oh. Just that first line is, you do not have to be good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I read that and I just started crying. Mm-hmm. So good. Do you have any conscious content consumption that you'd like to share? I'm trying to think. I mean, I'm always consuming
1: content. We kind of all are, but I've been so busy this week moving, so physical labor. But, you know, I, when I was working on my laptop more... I'll usually put something on in the background, and I did watch the second season of Feel Good,
0: which... Oh, I've never seen that. You should watch (laughs)
1: Feel Good. The first season I was a little lukewarm about. Okay. It's about a queer comic. Oh. But the second season was really good. I felt like she developed as a character, her storyline has a really interesting arc and i don't want to give it (gasps) away.
0: oh she's a stand-up comedian
1: yeah she's a stand-up comedian and she's dealing in the second season a lot with how she was involved very young with an older man and what that relationship did to Uh, her emotionally and the parts of it that she's okay with and not okay with and confronting it the, the last episode was really good. I think one that a lot of people should see.
0: Okay. So. Yeah, I, I did actually watch that. I just didn't remember what it was called. Oh, yeah. Um, so Yeah, hair. yeah. I, that's why I watched it, because I was like, ooh. Super cute. <laughs> who is this? And then the gal that she's dating in that first season, I don't know about the second season, her name is Georgia, but they call her George and Georgie all the time. Yes, and I was like, ah, right. I would right. be that Georgie. Yes. But I will say, I do think that their relationship dynamic wasn't healthy for multiple reasons. And maybe that's what they were trying to showcase, but I feel like they didn't dive into it in a way that was presenting it like, hey, these are the points that are bad and these are good. It wasn't Mm -hmm. presenting it in a way that you could really interpret it that way. It was just presented like, this is just a relationship and Mm -hmm. people see that and maybe think that that's normal and think that that's okay. And it's like, oh, there are... There were ways that you could have, uh, I don't know, addressed it a little bit more. I don't remember
1: all the things that didn't sit right with me about the first season, Mm because it was a while ago. But the second season, I feel like they finally got some people saying, like, hey, let's put some thought into this. Yeah. Let's talk about the psychological reason behind this behavior and why you're overcompensating in this way when you're really trying to avoid addressing this Okay, and stuff. And so I found it way more engaging than I did the first season. I will Hmm.
0: say that. Well, I'll have to watch it and then we can talk about it and hopefully they think more about healthy dynamics and how to address them. I'm excited to watch it. Let's jump into Hello Bolt. Tell me, tell us about... Hello, Bulk, what it is, where it is. So, Hello, Bulk is um, short
1: for Hello, Bulk Markets, and that's my company. And we want to create basically grocery stores where you can consume goods without all that single-use packaging. So, almost everything is available by weight, and you can bring your own containers. And it's really designed around that principle, and we try to have a, a wide variety of goods so you can tackle a lot of your shopping needs. So household cleaners, body care, grocery, a lot of locally made goods, which has been Which fantastic. is something I
0: love. Yeah. I you mean, have my favorites also there. So. That's the
1: perfect thing is if we can get those locally made things because it's just this perfect rotation of bins. It's not yeah. shipping, packaging, and it's supporting local makers. It's just, it's been so beneficial in every way. And it's wonderfully fresh product. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that's what we do. And we've been around for just over three years and hoping to grow, which we opened a second location just before COVID, but hit too many um, obstacles there. And closed it, but we hope to open a second location this year. So,
0: and where's the the one right now?
1: The one right now, we are located on the west side, in kind of a tucked away spot. It's three fifty five north, five hundred west in Salt Lake City, and we're looking to move that one to our new warehouse. So it'll be warehouse slash retail, and that is at eleven eighty five south, three hundred west. And so, depending on when this airs, if it if it's sometime in August <laughs> or September of two thousand twenty one, um, we may have already moved and and that is exciting so
0: yeah well that's great i didn't uh, i guess i knew that you were moving warehouses but that's exciting i do like the little storefront that you have currently but it is a little small and tucked away and not- that train yeah. right there is oh, killer, killer. <laughs> so it's
1: not highly functional we were given that space and it's been a a free lease which is fantastic and it has allowed us to get our feet under us and really try our concept yeah and be a storefront but it's very tucked away there's no no like organic traffic it's just it's, it's by tracks but it's really hard for people to get to by bike yeah and frankly just functionality wise our mop corner is two floors up our our sink for washing dishes is three floors up. Oh, geez. So you can't have those moments where you're like, it's quiet. I'm going to go back and do dishes. Yeah. It just doesn't flow. So it's just time for us to have it. Uh, yeah, let take the next step. To, to hopefully, you know, operate Well, that's well. great.
0: And I'll be happy that it moves because it takes a while for me to drive there, let alone bike. But that's, you know, me being... A little selfish there. Um, (laughs) So I learned about Hello Bulk. I forget when. I was so excited to hear about it um, because I do, I like, I love shopping at the farmer's market and I want to reduce. The plastic and the packaging, that's the whole point, which I I loved and when I heard of that I was like, that's so great. And I actually emailed Jamaica for the twenty twenty Pride Utah Pride Festival that never happened Mm -hmm. because of COVID to see if she would provide bulk items for the festival. But of course it didn't happen. And so we met each other technically that way first, but then we met each other through a mutual friend.
1: Yes. So, and so like as a young, not young, <laughs> as a <laughs> new, newer entrepreneur too, you're just in a daze all the time and your emails are just like excessive. And I i was just like probably half asleep every time. I <laughs> and so I hope you had a good impression of me. I was like, yes, I want to participate so much.
0: But I'm so overworked
1: right now. I don't know my (laughs) own name.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, I definitely got a good impression of you. And then when I met you, I was like, oh, yeah, how great. But I will say I haven't been in there for a while. The last time I went is to get uh, those little toothpaste tabs. Yeah. And I got a huge jar of them. Oh, no, you have enough for a year. Oh, I have so many. But I like them. I take them camping and stuff. I need to come in for shampoo, though. And
1: we have new toothpaste tabs. Like, it's really funny. In the zero waste industry, things are changing. Products are being brought up all the time that are kind of zero waste mm-hmm. products. But there are a lot of things you can't get at all without packaging, but tooth tabs, I could I could have like five different brands Whoa. right now of tooth tabs. There's That's one thing that they've figured out how to formulate. So now we have two kinds of tooth tabs. Okay. You're gonna have to work your way through your Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, and we might even bring in a third at some point or switch out brands. But yeah, that's one thing that there's a lot of stuff. Yeah,
0: and that's exciting. What got you started on this? You know, I always say that Hello Bulk was rooted in
1: common sense, and it's propelled by the zero waste movement. I started thinking about this business concept way before I heard of zero waste. Okay. Um I grew up in a big Mormon family with eight kids and we were very we didn't have expensive things. We mm-hmm. with eight kids you you're just pretty frugal. And so I grew up in an environment that you didn't have waste and waste was very much frowned upon. When I started working in the grocery industry which I loved, it was just there was so much waste which yeah, was is almost
0: horrifying. I worked at Starbucks. You're throwing away not only like not only just producing so much plastic, you 're throwing away food,
1: oh yeah, and oh. I, that was a big problem when I first started there, but one thing I really loved was that I, and I was a single parent at the time with two young boys, and I loved the bulk department because I could buy what I needed. Mm-hmm. I, I felt my food was fresher, I felt like i didn 't get suckered into value sizes where I yeah. would have waste or stale product. I didn't pay for packaging, and my garbage was minimal, and I felt like the environmental impact was good, too. So I just found all these facets to shopping that way that I really felt resonated with me. And when I was with Wild Oats, they had some body care in bulk, too. And they did away with it, because nobody took care of that section. It was just always dirty. But I I really liked being able to pump my own lotion, my own shampoo, and as the kids grew, I got particularly annoyed with packaging because children's grocery products yeah
0: are they're pretty
1: really disgustingly like over packaged so
0: i wonder why i don't why know. the excessive packaging it's, it's... like a
1: single mini serving and a <sighs> big huge plastic just blows thing. my
0: mind yeah and so i just
1: it, it just irritated me enough that i stuck in my mind and as i i worked in the grocery industry for another 15 well now it's been 15 years so i was with wild oats when it became whole foods and i was with sunflower oh i didn't even
0: put two and two together that wild oats was yeah whole foods
1: Uh whole foods bought wild oats there was a big whatever legal thing because they were wondering if it would be a monopoly whatever but yeah (laughs) and now amazon owns it (laughs) wild oats Oh, yeah, that's the natural grocery industry. It's constantly one bigger fish. Yeah, eating another. Other fish. It's growing, which is great because it's making room for smaller fishes who are addressing the needs of the yeah. industry in a unique way, like zero-waste grocery stores that are popping up. And so anyway, it's just, um, yeah, this is really the first like innovation I've seen in grocery, and I love grocery. I am fascinated with products, with trends, with packaging uh, with innovation in the grocery world, and and um, so it's my thing. And yeah, that's really where the idea started, and it took a long time to have the courage to jump out on a limb and do it. And two of my three boys had grown and were out of the you know nest at that point. And my youngest, God bless him, he just <laughs> he, he's like, "Mom's on her mission," and she's got I, it. I Go, I mom, for the ride. <laughs> so
0: good yeah. for him. Good for you to have that. So I imagine it was kind of challenging to find product and find a business model to follow. You don't have to get too nitty-gritty into Mm -hmm. the details, but you're like, all right, I need to find a location and then find bulk items, and voila. Was that... Well,
1: I had all these... I knew where to order all my bulk grocery, and I, I did a little bit of research for some of the loose ends, but because of my experience, I'd worked in the industry for so long... Uh, I knew where to go and I mean one of the first things I did was compile this huge grocery catalog based on these two natural distributors in the U.S. and what I'd have access to and got accounts with them and then kind of went from there. So finding all the accessories. Yeah. Body care I knew a little bit about too and so cleaning and accessories I had to do a lot of work on that. And when you say accessories what do you mean? So zero waste accessories became it became very uh, obvious to me that people expected me to have certain things that went along with this yeah. way of, of living. And so that was like I I needed to find reputable distributors and resources there. But most people, I will say, don't start the way I did, where they start with grocery, and groceries their their heart, you know? They start because they either have environmental passion <laughs> or they have retail experience along these lines and environmental passion, and they usually start with accessories, like pot scrubbers and oh, okay. toothbrushes and wool dryer balls and all those basic zero waste accessories. So they start with that and maybe cleaners and body care, because it's not perishable. It's yeah. much simpler. And I know that
0: there's a lot of like online stores that do that. I've seen... Absolutely.
1: And there are a lot of... So I do zero-waste consults for people who approach me about starting up their own store. And by far, people start without the food. Yeah. Yeah. And we had a group come to me and wanted to do some research. And they did some research around this industry in the U.S., which is great because there's nothing like out there. <laughs> and they found that... There are very, very few grocery stores that are... Doing this sort of thing. embracing refill and bring your own container across the U.S. But there are tons in... Other countries. Yeah, tons in other countries. So it's mostly non-perishables. That's how they start. But they are starting, and they're popping up all over. But, I mean, you brought up a good point, and it's a point that I hate to talk about, but we probably should, (laughs) is that it's really expensive, for people to shop for these little yeah. tooth tabs like online. And these stores that are popping up that are similar to mine. I really I try to be really competitive with my pricing because I wanted to not be unattainable. And yeah. Elitist. And so I used traditional grocery margins. Oh hi. You <laughs> I was like what's that, it's Jamaica just grabbed my toe. <laughs> um, but that was all with the plan that I would have more than one location. Yeah. Like grocery stores don't have great margins, but if they have more than one location, yeah, they, to they tend to do, do better. Um and then the other approach is to go more boutique and to be cleaner, fewer products, higher margin. Yeah. And that's really the look that we associate with Yeah, when I walked in, scratches. it
0: was like it's very cute and straightforward and you know where to go. So I like that a lot. I mean, I hate walking into Winco. I had an ex who really loved the bulk section of WinCo and WinCo in general. And walking into WinCo, is like, oh, like, I hate this. I don't want to be in here. And I get that a lot, I feel like, with big stores, maybe with the exception of Costco. But I think that's just because it reminds me of walking around with my mom. So. Well, I think that.
1: Any bulk department has a a positive impact, Mm -hmm.
0: right? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm
1: like, yes, that's awesome. Shop in bulk. But the thing is, we need to have access to package-free shopping in every neighborhood across the country. And so having smaller markets, more of these smaller markets, that's my goal, Mm -hmm. just put them in neighborhoods all over the place you know that's what we need because everybody needs to be able to on their way home from work they've put their containers in their mm-hmm. backpack on the way yep. to work and, or before they left home and then they just fill up their shampoo on the way home or their oats and their raisins and grab a little milk and glass like that is how we stop sort of turn off the faucet on plastic pollution yeah It's not these big, huge stores with a bulk department. Mm -hmm. And also, the the problem there is, and this is interesting, it's really interesting to be in my industry because it's changing and growing and we're learning, but those stores are not allowed in Utah and a lot of states to
0: have people use their own containers. Now, some of them do, that's. they're not supposed to. I'm curious about that, especially with COVID having happened because I, I mean, I am an avid farmer's market shopper i go every saturday i'm in town with my dad you'll see us together i love it and um, they used to salsa diablo Mm -hmm. i love them i would bring their old containers back to them and my name was written on it with a phone number and the date that i was gonna pick it up and then they'd always have it and so i could always just reuse that and a number of the other people you know i could bring back the egg cartons and, and then covid hit and you weren't allowed to do it anymore so i'm wondering how did covid affect that for you
1: you know what COVID because of our process um, we were able to continue operating bulk departments shut down all over because self-service was eliminated but we just filled four customers and oh, so we okay. could continue to do it but we also have a model that is we have a funnel system we have a no contact system so the container you bring from home we never make contact between our food equipment and the inside of your container yeah now that's what differentiates us from like a scoop at winco that has gone into 30 different bags yeah throughout the day and that's something I'm not comfortable with and also there are two monitoring forces there's the Department of Agriculture and the Department of Health regarding mm-hmm. grocery and food and we fall in the, under the Department of Agriculture and they made us have really particular precautions in order to embrace containers being brought from home and those regulations and restrictions are not being enforced, although they are supposed to be in place in the bigger grocery stores, which are often monitored by the Department of Health. And we have heard stories about grocery stores being fined for customers bringing in their own containers. Oh, gosh. Um, But sometimes I think that there's enough of a trend right now that the Department of Health might just be chilling on it or grocery stores are embracing it, knowing that they'll get fined.
0: I was definitely bringing my own stuff into Sprouts until the pandemic. And they're like, you can't do that.
1: Yeah. And they're just not set up to kind of get the tear or the weight of your container. Yeah. And then let you fill it and then adjust for the tear. Now, can their point of sale do that? Yeah, usually it can. But it's just their format doesn't really... Yeah, it doesn't... um, It's not tailored for it. Yeah, so... Our system is really just set up with that in mind, which is great. And I think that eventually, honestly, in my mind, mainstream grocery stores will adjust. Yeah. Because single-use plastics will become banned bit by bit like they are in other countries. And so it's interesting to be doing what I'm doing because I don't know that stores like mine are going to be the only outlet for people Going forward, and I don't know when we're going to have sort of a consensus across the states on which things can be available in refill, which is interesting too, which stores can do it, how they do it. I mean, I have a half-drafted letter about that that I need to give to the Department of Agriculture and the Department of Health, but I do feel that they need to have a clear policy and not just pick on small business and ignore the same big yeah sprouts whole Foods, smiths even in like starting the ninth and ninth store they came in for my inspection and said you need a hand wash sink available to customers if they're going to be dispensing like a designated hand wash sink in the area that's not a bathroom sink that's a designated hand wash sink and i'm like I used to be a broker. I've been in every natural grocery <laughs> department store in yep. this state, and there's not a hand wash sink by a single. Did you tell department. that to them? Yeah, but they don't care, and I think it's so wrong. Like that's the yeah last to thing pick that works. on
0: small businesses. Yeah, and when you're getting big your ones. like,
1: you know, your walk with the Department of Agriculture. And they say you need this, saying, well, so and so doesn't do it, never works. You don't get anywhere with that approach. So it doesn't do you anything to be like, well, that's fair. But I'm I'm ready to fight a battle about some of this stuff because I (laughs) I don't think that it's fair that they just choose to enforce certain things with small business and not big business. But I want us to just get on the same page about it. I want some data about, like, hey, is refill really? Unsanitary? Is it really going to make anybody sick? Do we really have to have, you know, in some states they don't have to have the funnel or the barrier like we do. In some states they have to have customers swear that they washed, rinsed, and sanitized their own containers. Huh. So stores like mine are having obstacles that are unique in every state. Hmm. And I'm constantly at the mercy of the Department of Agriculture, which can be fine. The inspectors can be really great and clear and informative. But Sometimes there's a new head that comes in and things change and they're not yeah. willing to give you the same workaround they did before. And so honestly, up until COVID, I really felt like I could at any moment just be closed down based on a different policy yeah, or a different person. Something new coming in. And now I feel like, you know what, we have such a strong clientele that has stuck through us through this pandemic. Yeah. I feel kind of like I have a community behind me and if we have to fight some battles we'll fight some fucking battles I'll fight them
0: with you (laughs) I'll be right there I think uh, I think what you're doing is just so great like I said I was so excited to hear that it was a thing Um, it is so tragic to see how much waste is produced I remember one challenge I did or that was like assigned to me in some class in my undergrad they were like okay for a week keep track of all the waste you produce and I love that challenge. I think everybody should do it and just to see what you do. And then, of course, that week I was like, oh, well, I'm going to be the best one in my class. I wasn't, but I was pretty close to the best <laughs> one in terms of like how little I consumed. But it I mean, it's it's with everything everywhere you go, even when I do go to the downtown farmers market. They insist on giving you a bag of potatoes, like a plastic bag, and it's like, "Can you keep the bag?" Um, or at grocery stores, when they start bagging your stuff, mm-hmm. I will take it out and give them back the bag, which is more acceptable at natural grocers and Sprouts. When I do it at Smiths, people think I'm crazy, but it's cool to see that happening in Salt Lake.
1: Well, and so much of it starts with a conversation, right? Yeah, and it's. And you were talking about bringing your own, your own containers to the farmer's market. And that's another totally crazy issue. We wanted to reuse glass mason jars yeah. and have, like, yogurt parfaits and have customers bring them back with a bottle deposit. And we found out so much through that process. We found out in Utah that you can only bring back the containers directly to the maker.
0: Oh, basically. So and that's why you could do it at the market. Food. Yeah. yeah. But also, I'm surprised that they would take
1: back plastic, and they were probably just doing it under the table.
0: (laughs) I won't name names. (laughs) Yeah, no.
1: It's not happening. But because the Department of Agriculture only approved it with us because it was glass, which is a non-porous.
0: Yeah. um,
1: And they read the code to us. Initially, they told us that we couldn't do it unless we had a commercial dishwasher. Hmm. And then we ended up kindly asking them to read the code. We all needed a little clarification. And the code said as long as it was a non-porous item, like glass, and you could wash, rinse, and sanitize it. And I'm like, bingo, wash, rinse, sanitize, that is a sink, that is not a commercial dishwasher. And it changed everything for a lot of makers that we interact with who were told that they couldn't reuse their glass because they didn't have a commercial dishwasher. Yeah, yeah, And now we know that they can, but they approved the glass. They approved, it took about six months for them to approve the ring oh. around mason jars. Yeah. But then not the disc. The discs are not approved for reuse.
0: And that makes sense, right, because the whole ceiling
1: Yeah, because there's a little I'm uh, not rubber ring. I'm not yet
0: a proficient canner, but from what I understand, yeah. It's...
1: Yeah, I think it's just because that's not porous, because the little rubber ring hmm. is not a non-porous surface
0: okay so
1: yeah when people bring in their containers back to us we usually say oh can you use the disc at home because we can't reuse it but it's funny little things like that like the linear thing it can't technically technically yeah you shouldn't return your container to me which to is give to the maker such it should a only bummer be between you and the maker and it's different
0: ev- everywhere <laughs> yeah every state every county Maybe, maybe but every city. But none of that
1: would have, I mean, we wouldn't have even known and been able to trickle down the information to these other makers that you can reuse glass unless we fought the battle, unless we asked the question. Yeah. They would still be thinking, too, that they had to have a commercial dishwasher in order to reuse glass. And because we asked the questions and we yeah. had the code right and we had the conversation. so. So much of it just starts with that little bit, just talking to somebody in the deli department, just talking to somebody at the farmer's market. Ask the questions. See, and and I feel like if you're just reasonable with people and just say like, hey, I know that we're on the same team and we both want to cut back on plastic pollution. Like, do you think that we can find a way to make this work Mm -hmm. and start trying to problem solve together? Because...
0: Yeah, no, that's really interesting to hear all the little details, not something I would have thought about, but I'm sure that's why a lot of people don't necessarily pursue that avenue for a grocery store. And I guess moving forward, what are your hopes and dreams for Hello Bulk?
1: I just hope to grow it. I really, and a lot of it is I'm addressing the pain points of growing stores like these, which is the sourcing we touched base on, is really complicated. And so I'm rolling all of that complexity into Hello Bulk Wholesale, which is a second company that I started in order to sort of address those needs and simplify the sourcing process for my stores. And then hopefully I'll be able to get that simplified sourcing process to other stores. And I really just hope to see this sort of new grocery innovation change the industry, challenge the industry and then eventually come into some form in these bigger stores because i think it's inevitable and i don't know what that looks like but i hope hello bulk can grow and be prolific and be in many states and then i hope to support it through hello Bulk's wholesale and, and really support this industry i mean meeting store owners like myself as they come for consults or they're just friends or we just see their store when i'm visiting yeah. another state it's the best grittiest
0: ragtag
1: <laughs> of individuals and it couldn't be more different from the traditional grocery industry which was very white male yeah dominated and when you look at founders of zero waste grocery stores across the u.s Yeah, it's polar opposite Hmm. of those white male men founders. Granted, this was a pretty casual study by those students, but... Almost everyone that was a founder that they interviewed and collected data on was somebody who associated it as being female. And it was like 98 And a founder of a bulk store. A founder store. of a bulk store. A, pa- a founder of a refill or package-free yeah. store. Wow,
0: that's so interesting. And I guess it makes sense not to stereotype genders into certain norms. Men, male-presenting folks, they go into it because it's a business. and there's like maybe not a lot of passion behind it and I mean women obviously have dealt with a lot uh, as a group of people and minority genders generally and then finding passion and finding meaning in what you want to do and then moving forward with that passion and seeing that we need change and that's, I mean, so cool that you came to it, maybe not as an environmentalist, just seeing all those needs and really bringing it all together. And then now fighting the good fight to make it more clear and better for other folks trying to do the same thing. I think that's just so great.
1: Yeah, I'm proud. I'm proud of the industry. And I love old grocery stores and that sort of market mentality and, and, and whether that is fairly male-dominated, you know. But it's it was weird to be a, a woman in the grocery industry, especially as a broker, honestly, because that's when you're representing brands and you're selling into stores and you're okay. placing brands on a certain shelf spot and you're um, having buyers meetings. That was really wild.
0: So as a broker, is that, I don't totally know what a broker is. I didn't
1: before I was one. Um, so. Is
0: that something you did before Hello Bulk or is that it something is. that you're doing as
1: Hello Bulk? No, not really. I like having that knowledge because it's been really helpful to talk to new and emerging brands that are selling in Hello Bulk or have a new product. And And so that's what a broker
0: is. is... But a
1: broker represents a brand, basically. And um, I represented like 70 brands because I worked for a brokerage firm. But you have these meetings with the buyers for the grocery stores who choose what products come in. And then you make sure that your products are represented in the way they're supposed to be represented. Because the placement on a shelf is everything. What set they're in, where they're placed, if they are constantly getting refilled, if there are these things that can kind of go wrong, that you're watching out for your product, basically. So you sell your product in, then you watch out for your product.
0: That's so crazy to think about. This is just a world that I never think about, and I wonder how many other people do.
1: Yeah, it's actually fascinating. I, I mean, it wasn't my cup of tea because I'm not a salesperson yeah. by nature. If I believe in it, I will talk your ear off. <laughs> if I represent 70 brands. I can't believe in all those. And yeah. to sell them aggressively and just, I, wasn't my thing. Like, I get heart palpitations. Just,
0: so I, yeah. I have to ask now, and I'm sure the answer is yes, but do you believe in all the brands that you're selling now?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, because I have I, ha- I get to have that control. Yeah. I have kind of an interesting model in that we have so many products mm-hmm. that I have to just choose distributors that are credible. That yeah. Of, you have to be careful who you choose to align with because you can't research to death every black bean mm-hmm. company. But you can say, UNFI has strict standards, blah, 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 or Glory B. I know Glory B. has strict standards because this great granola that we used to love like they stopped carrying it because the makers weren't you know stepping up to the plate on things that were really important to them as a company so i like to look for distributors like that but yeah i think that the brands we have now are fantastic and i love local i think if we were to like move into a new community like or a new state
0: yeah that uh, that would be an interesting thing to navigate
1: it would be but i think the first thing i'd do is go to the farmer's market yeah you know, and find out who's making great stuff in
0: this community. Mm-hmm. You kind of mentioned it earlier, you have the boutique style. And I mean, whenever I travel, it's way more fun to go to some locally owned or a store that has locally made products instead of just going into another frickin' Trader Joe's. Like when I was in California, went to all the local Asian markets or fruit stands and it's like, oh, well this is so much more of an experience and it tells you way more about the community than going to big stores whether it's Costco or Whole Foods, Natural Grocers, Trader Joe's. And I love Natural Grocers and I do buy stuff from Trader Joe's despite all the packaging. But yeah, walking into more beautiful boutique like yeah, you it get quality stuff, be, like
1: expensive places either. But just getting the local vibe is so important, and of course, getting the local vibe through food is mm-hmm. just—I mean, that's when I travel. Yeah, that's food what you is want. Half of what i interested <laughs> in. I want to just see, like, what do people do here? What do people eat here? Yeah, what is life here? Like, food is an amazing vehicle for getting to know a culture mm-hmm. or an area. So. And these stores like mine are really popping up all over, and, like, some of them are so creative. There was one woman I did a consult for that is a doctor, but she's a holistic doctor, and she wanted to have a little grocery store attached, a refill grocery store, to her practice, sort of to talk about healthful living. Yeah. And eating. I love and that. I'm like, what? This is so cool. And then this other person opened one in a trolley called Earthen Market. Um, I'm trying to remember which state that one's in. And so, yeah, it's, it's just, it's a fun thing. And I think if you, oh, there's a website called Litterless, L-I-T-T-E-R-L-E-S-S, Litterless.
0: Litterless. Okay. that
1: has a database of uh, stores like mine. So. Oh, how you cool. You can look that up and find any and it does also list bulk, just bulk stores in general. Okay. But it kinda gives you a description and you can pretty quickly tell if it's a mainstream bigger grocery store with a yeah. bulk department or if it's like a zero waste store or if it just has body care and accessories versus grocery. Mm-hmm. But how yeah, cool.
0: So if you're website. not in Salt Lake and you can't go to Hello Bulk, you can look at litterless dot com dot org. Yeah. I think it's dot com. Okay. But now I'm questioning. Yeah, well like you can Google it if you're at home. <laughs> Well, that's so cool. I didn't know that. That's exciting to hear. and It'll just be so cool moving forward. I feel like when Natural Grocers came out as the first bagless store, everyone was like, that store's going to fail. I remember a lot of people being up in arms about that for whatever reason and just seeing how things are going to progress. I did. This is maybe a little tangential. And something that we wouldn't be able to do in Utah because—Utah because of liquor laws but there's a a few companies now winemakers, wineries and they'll do the bottle deposit because what they realize is what most of their carbon footprint is made of as a winery is making the bottles, shipping the bottles, because mm-hmm. they're so heavy the and trying to get them. Very heavy. And so there's this winery in Switzerland. And so instead of bottling it in Switzerland and then sending it to the United States, what they're now doing, and I read this, it's a New York Times article, so maybe you can Google it. They send their made wine in huge crates to the United States. And then at the point source in each state that they can do this in, they bottle it there. And then they're trying to do a return for the bottle so that they don't have to keep making new ones. And I'd love to just see more of that stuff. I always think about the old thing that I saw in movies, having your milk delivered to your door in those little crates, little milk crates and then the glasses and then you put the glass in the milk crate out when you're done and they just take it back and reuse it. I wish life were more like that. No,
1: and it, honestly it's it, it and it is complicated for sure. I've been on Clubhouse and conversations recently with a winemaker and they are starting to put their wines not in bottles but in I believe it's an aluminum keg. But, oh. And they said it's great. But he was questioning how do I do this in terms of still remaining like he can do it for restaurants and stuff but keeping like the branding intact and yeah making sure that it's yeah sanitary all these things and i said i would look for your early adopters your early adopters are going to be zero waste shoppers yeah. and it's going to be weird with liquor laws and utah is probably not where you should start but nope. i am <laughs> seeing wine refill available and people do bring back their bottles yeah um, and that's in so cool okay yeah, so as I look at zero-waste shops, I'm always looking on Instagram and stuff and seeing what's happening mm-hmm. where. And yeah, wine refills, probably not coming to Utah anytime soon. But yeah. in the UK, it's already happening, and it's exciting because glass is very complicated. Glass recycling, yeah. like, I love glass. It's infinitely recyclable. It's an amazing material, but most states aren't set up with recycling options for glass,
0: mm-hmm. and it's heavy like to ship. Utah.
1: Yeah, so it's, a, it's, just, it's just complicated. But I think that especially wine people would be really likely to bring back that original yeah bottle because we do like the branding or we and do, how cool want to know more about the year and the mm-hmm. tasting notes or whatever and why not oh that sounds so fun
0: yeah and i do think there is i mean i have a friend who's french jill um and i i had a a box of wine, and granted, it it was not good wine. I don't remember the brand, um, but I bought it because we were going camping. I was like, well, I'm not going to bring glass, and Jill was like, absolutely not. Part of wine in its tradition—he's French. <laughs> I wish I could do a good French accent—is um, like being in this bottle, being in a glass bottle, and so like that adds a whole nother complex layers. I'm not a connoisseur of wine. I just happen to drink it sometimes maybe more often than not during the summer which is right now but there's so much to it culturally let alone the safety well, and
1: and that's why they had a hard time letting go of corks it's oh because like the culture the tradition yeah like, and they found that it doesn't serve a purpose really it's mm-hmm. not necessarily and we were
0: running out of cork. better or we are
1: I don't know actually,
0: but that's what I remember what this hearing guy was that, but that might not about. be true. <laughs> like
1: the aluminum and the kegs of it is just like they're finding they thought glass was the way, but you know what? It's actually fine, if not better, he's saying. in the aluminum, huh. so it's just wild. A lot of it is just, yeah, cultural or tradition.
0: Mm-hmm. And then the way our system is set up, I imagine too, if you were using aluminum bottles even though aluminum is really easy to recycle from what i understand if you were able to take back all that aluminum and then recycle and reuse it keeping that in a closed system for one yeah. store that does wine to have you call is it a vertical business model is yeah. that right instead where you have
1: instead of circular
0: in, or maybe circular <laughs> horizontal versus vertical i remember learning that in economics but i don't remember quite what it all means but being able to like also, recycle and then reuse it, and like have all of those systems in one
1: yeah. company
0: or at least all connected.
1: Well, and that's really where we're going with certain. Now we're looking at the producer's responsibility. Yeah. And in some countries, they're having really strict laws around that. I'm very excited about that because I think that that's where we're going to see change because the U.S. is so. Cor- yeah, corporation-ruled corporation yeah. and
0: I mean, they have human rights. <laughs> so until we get
1: them saying, I have responsibility for what I produce, yeah. we're not going to have a good recycling system in the U.S. because right now, single stream is failing us miserably. But as these corporations need product to make the right packaging because we have uh, restrictions on like how much is going to be recycled material and where the end life of that packaging is. And that responsibility being put on the shoulders of producers will change Mm -hmm. our recycling industry. And so there's actually a lot of really cool stuff happening around the globe around that and, and the u s is probably going to be the last one to do it but, um, <laughs> hopefully not, but yeah, you're right, yeah, so it's kind of we're we're getting to a place, but I think that like every regenerative sort of thing that we're looking to do, it starts local and and I, like you've said, the farmers' market is such a big
0: piece yeah. of
1: that puzzle. I think that most of our clients, that uh, the ones that are customers that are most successful with their goals are the ones who use our store and the farmers yeah. market. Yeah,
0: and they, they plug in in into the community. They're mm-hmm. they're at Harman's. Some of them are at Natural Grocers and I think they tried to start Jade Market. I actually don't know what's going on with Jade Market right now. Do you remember Jade Market?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's local. It's good. It's like a little uh, market slash convenience store. Yeah. And it's not...
0: I know it's It's expensive. I wouldn't say that's accessible to a lot of folks, unfortunately. Yeah,
1: it's close. They do have... I love that they prioritize local. They definitely have some things going for It's them. not a
0: bulk store, but... Oh, um,
1: no, no. It's just a little convenient grocery store, but yeah. with some local... Another fun one like that is called the store.
0: <gasps> yeah. I called, like, there was a the store near Rich's bagels in holiday. Yes. I don't know if that one's still there. And last I was
1: a I don't shop out there, but yeah. <laughs> last I heard it was.
0: Yeah, and then now they have one down at the gateway which is oh yeah. Cool. Yeah, they just opened and that.
1: There's some you know, there's some good things. I just can't go into stores like that very often anymore because once you start shopping package free and, and I mean there's still work for me to do in my life, don't get yeah. me wrong. But grocery stores in, in particular, I have a harder time because I just see the packaging so clean everywhere. Now. And so it's like when you, I don't know, have a dirty floor and you clean a spot and suddenly you're like, God, I have to clean the whole floor because uh-huh. now there's a clean spot. That's how I feel like your life kind of becomes. You start just bit by bit changing and, mm-hmm. and, and there's so much packaging and grocery. And I just, I get a little bit anxious now because yeah. bit by bit between my store and the farmer's market or whatever else. I, I do shop traditional stores sometimes, but I don't need it. I don't need it very much. Yeah. And COVID especially, I think helped me to have my habits simplified. Yeah. Now I'm just I'm like, yeah, I don't really need to go to the, all the places and get all the things. And yeah. And I'm just, and a little bit, but in a better <laughs> place as far as being a consumer. Right?
0: Yeah. Just being
1: a conscientious consumer. And that's all you can do is just think about
0: it. That's great. I hope that whoever listens to this podcast can think about that more. Maybe you can do the little challenge of seeing how much waste you do produce in a week. One last thing I want to bring up kind of hits on what you talked about earlier. There was another New York Times article. I really, I love the New York Times briefing every morning. It's so great. Coverage came out about how the plastic producers are like, let's put it on the customers and the individuals to take care of plastic and make sure it's recycled instead of incorporating that into the system. They compared it to how the cigarette industry lied. I don't remember the direct parallel, but basically putting it on people instead of taking any responsibility for themselves. It's the
1: ultimate in greenwashing. Yeah.
0: Like, greenwashing is a real thing. Explain what greenwashing is real quick for anybody who doesn't know.
1: Sure, so greenwashing is being manipulated or sort of whitewashing, only we're clever, so we call it greenwashing, right? Yeah. Aren't we clever? (laughs) It's like whitewashing, right? It's like saying, this this is how this looks but really it's not how it looks Mm -hmm. and in packaging it's super Mm
0: -hmm. they're like recyclable natural compostable
1: and because these terms are not regulated Mm -hmm. so in grocery in particular organic strictly regulated that term is regulated natural not regulated Mm -hmm. you can put the word natural on anything you want And that is scary. I saw
0: natural candy.
1: Yeah. So packaging like that. And people found that you can do things like make it look environmentally friendly. Yeah. And so hence it's purchased by environmentally educated people. But that's greenwashing. It may or may not be environmentally friendly packaging, right? But it looks that way. So that's what greenwashing is stores like mine get accused of greenwashing sometimes, and that's hard to take because we are-
0: Really trying. Really
1: trying, and we are making a huge impact, but we have imperfect options, yeah. imperfect tools, and but we're striving, and the more of us there are, the more buying power there is, and the better it'll be. There are, our options will improve, but the ultimate greenwashing, I think, like the biggest scam we've ever been <laughs> greenwashed about, recycling, <laughs> In in the U.S., because those little numbers mean squat. Two of those numbers might have an end of life in your state that is a great end of life that has a place to go, a product to make from it, or a good way to dispose of it.
0: From what I understand, it's recycling one and two, and I forget what type of plastic that is. The University of Utah, they do not recycle anything that's not one or two because the system is just not set up for it. There's no place
1: for it to go. There's a really good episode on Netflix series, I think it's called Broken, about this particular thing. Mm. It's a short one and it's about the recycling industry And it was soda pop. It was the soda pop industry that decided to put those little numbers on their packaging so that they didn't have to feel guilty about where it went. So that made the consumer think there was a place for it to go. Those numbers are all about consumer manipulation from the producers of that packaging and the product that wants to go into the packaging. It's so frustrating. And people think that they are recycling and they're like, I'm good, I recycle. And yeah, it's like recycling is like the the lowest bar. It's it's broken in the US. It doesn't work. And it changes by county, by state, by Mm -hmm. county. And it's so hard to educate yourself on the end of life of every product that you consume in packaging. And so it's really exciting to see that some of that responsibility is Is being put back onto the producers because I think that those little numbers, um, I mean, heaven knows if that recycling industry, if those numbers made sense, if there was really, if there was a packaging product that needed number five and number yeah. six in order it could to, be more
0: streamlined, there
1: was, yeah, then there would be a need for it. So there would be something created to get that packaging for number five and number six from you to them and then cleaned up again and 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 reused but there's just nothing there it's like little fake numbers that don't mean anything
0: yeah it was frustrating to superficially learn about in my undergrad good on you little fish (laughs) for (laughs) taking on such a big thing and it's cool to see i'm glad to know more about it now because i just i knew what hello bulk was all the nuances sound mind-boggling and just way to be so brave (laughs) to take this on and go for it Uh, Well, happy to see how it goes in the future
1: (laughs) good to talk to you you know we could talk forever and thanks for having me for a good conversation
0: yeah thanks for coming on the podcast it's been fun i hope you see more cats this week i i hope i see more cats too we'll see and maybe some good wildlife maybe another snake so Jamaica's face just uh, changed drastically. Um, I don't think (laughs) Jamaica likes snakes. If you want to see a
1: snake, I hope you see a snake.
0: (laughs) Okay. Well, thanks again. Have a good week, everybody. And I hope you, too, see more cats. Thanks to AJ for the intro music. As my dad always says, use your head and be clever. Bye.